Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer Moving Markets Podcast. It is Friday, the 24th of March, and my name is Mike Rauber. So on this last day of the week coming up, with the Fed, Bank of England, and Swiss National Bank all having raised rates in the last days, we are pleased to be joined by David Kohl. And with currency markets tied to the lips of central banks, we look forward to hearing what Tim Gage from our FX desk in Geneva thinks. But first, as always, on what is moving markets. I welcome Roman Kanziani on the show today. Yes, good morning, Mike. Uh, well, you said it in the introduction, it was a rate hike day in Europe yesterday, with the Swiss National Bank, the Bank of England, as well as the Central Bank of Norway, all lifting rates by a quarter percent, or in the case of the Swiss National Bank, by half a percent. The rate action hardly surprised anybody, especially in the case of the Bank of England, as inflation remained stubbornly high around 10% there. Still, and following the script of the Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey, most believe that there won't be more action from the Bank of England going forward. But we'll hear more of that from uh, David Cole later on in this program. And how did markets cope with the rate tax? Well, overall, it was a choppy day on the trading floors around the world. So stock markets in Europe mostly ended the day in the red as bank shares tracked indices lower. This also carried over to the US, where traders remain wary of problems in the banking sector that have built up during the central bank's rapid execution of policy normalization. The slump in bank shares continued over the day, even as US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told lawmakers that she was prepared for further steps to protect deposits if warranted. A kind of turnaround to her remarks the day before, which at that time triggered the sell-off in financials. So what uh, what did you observe on the US markets? Uh, how did uh, both equities but also uh, bonds uh, behave? Yeah, well, overall, the S&P 500 index uh, could not hold on to its gains from the beginning of the trading day, but still closed up by 0.3% with financials, utilities and energy underperforming. Telecom and tech, meanwhile, were the two sectors that shined yesterday, both up by more than 1.5%. Maybe it was the falling yields which, to a certain extent, uh, powered up growth-related stocks yesterday. U.S. two-year government bond yields fell by 10 basis points yesterday in New York, while 10-year yields lost one basis point. Both benchmark yields fell further overnight and are now, in the case of the two-year yields, at 380 and in 10-year yields at 339. While volatility remains high in the U.S. government bond market, it looks as if a majority of traders now sees the Federal Reserve on course for cutting interest rates towards the end of this year again, with inflation projected to calm down and the economy's growth slowing. Let's broaden the spectrum uh, beyond the equities in the bond markets. Uh, what can you tell us about the other asset classes? Uh, how have they done? Yeah, well, uh, there has been... A a bit of a risk-off mood seen in currencies, with the US dollar as well as the Japanese yen strengthening versus many peers. Gold, meanwhile, has, uh, has held on to yesterday's gains and is now trading just below the 2000 US dollar handle, while Bitcoin, or digital gold, is at 28,300 US dollars this morning. Oil, meanwhile, is slightly lower, uh, pairing its weekly advance as the uh, US signaled that refilling its strategic crude inventories would take longer than previously anticipated. And anything on overnight action or what to expect today? 
Well, yes, uh, equities in Asia are all slightly lower, dragged down by banking sectors. Uh, the Japanese Nikkei closed lower by 0.1%, while Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index is currently trading about 0.8% in the red. The futures board for European equity market looks rather reddish at the moment, with the Eurostox 50 index expected to trade about 0.5% down this morning. In terms of data, we expect Spain GDP and PPI inflation, and we already had UK retail sales numbers coming in significantly higher than expected for February. In the US, durable good orders for February are due as well as the S&P Global US Manufacturing and Services PMIs. While manufacturing is expected to show some contraction, services are expected to show a value slightly above 50, which would signal expansion. That's it for me. Thank you very much, uh, Roman, for this uh, market wrap. And now I welcome David Cole, our chief economist. Good morning, David. Good morning, Mike. The major central banks uh, all continued on their rate hiking path this week, but this time against the backdrop of turmoil in parts of the banking industry. So what is your take and have there been any surprises? Well, uh, Mike, not really. So as you said, uh, rate hikes, most of the rate hikes, so starting with the Fed, uh, 25 basis points had been expected. They had been scaled down, though, um, after the banking turmoil, after the the cracks uh, which are appearing in the uh, U.S. banking system, so they have been definitely scaled down. So there was some acknowledgement from the Fed that uh, the cracks in the banking system contribute to what this uh, tighter monetary policy should do anyway, namely tightening monetary conditions, slow demand, and finally also slow inflation. So this is uh, basically uh, helping uh, the Fed to achieve their mandate. At the same time, uh, the Fed made clear that uh, they have other instruments to address uh, any issues in the banking system, in particularly uh, when they are due to like liquidity mismatches, uh, duration mismatches, as it has been. And this is basically liquidity injection. So financial stability had been addressed by the Fed earlier this week um, by addressing these issues in the, in the banking system. Now, on Wednesday, uh, it was actually addressing again uh, this issue of price stability here. Inflations are still uncomfortably high for central banks, and this keeps basically uh, the pressure on them, the political pressure also to act here, to do something. And the same is true uh, for the Swiss National Bank, the same is true for the Bank of England, uh, where we have seen also rate hikes, the Bank of England, 25 basis points, and here really strong indications that central banks are more or less done. The 50 basis points uh, by the Swiss National Bank, uh, they are very much due to the fact that the Swiss National Bank meets only every three months, uh, so there's probably more ground to cover, uh, but the direction and the logic uh, behind uh, these moves between uh, behind tighter monetary policy, once again, uh, is all the same, uh, and uh, so no much uh, surprise uh, from this side. In probably the, the, the positive take, uh, really, from uh, this week's central bank meetings where that central banks are less uh, really uh, on autopilot, on, on basically saying we will continue to hike rates, whatever it takes, but are really uh, much more mindful what monetary policy does uh, to the economy, uh, but even more does to the credit cycle, and are much more data dependent than uh, a few weeks ago than in the previous meetings. And uh, interesting. And uh, what do you think, the U.S. Federal Reserve or any other of the other central banks, have they gone too far in raising rates in this phase of the tightening cycle? What's your thought? 
That's a that's a very good question. In particular, when looking at the Fed, I mean, we have reached now a level of five percent. The um, FOMC committee thinks that uh, another rate hike is appropriate in the current situation. Five percent level um, is actually uh, quite restrictive. We are well in the restrictive territory. In the UK, we are at four and a quarter. That's also uh, can be seen as quite restrictive territory. And uh, yes, this is probably something where, where central banks went a bit too far. Um, will we see the results already in the next month? No, this takes usually time. Uh, so over-tightening monetary policy works all its way through the credit channel, uh, then affecting GDP growth, then at some point affecting also inflation. So we will know only in 12 months' time if, if they went indeed too far. Um, and uh, probably in this respect, uh, uh, the cracks in the banking system, in particularly in the U.S., although um, being due to a weak regulation there, uh, but these cracks are probably highlighting uh, that there is something already happening from this tight monetary policy, that this uh, monetary policy hurts, uh, that something breaks uh, in the economy, in this whole transmission mechanism. Uh, and uh, it uh, again, it makes the central banks more mindful to do that. And uh, we think uh, Bank of England, uh, also the U.S. Fed, they have probably already uh, went too far above a neutral rate. Um, this is uh, not so much the case for uh, Switzerland, which had been rather slow in normalizing rates. But we are approaching here as well uh, some level where uh, monetary policy is definitely not anymore supporting economic activity, but rather applying some brakes on economic activity going forward. Super interesting. Thank you very much, David, uh, for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. And now I welcome uh, Tim Gaggi, our head at the FX desk in Geneva. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Mike. So was this a big week for FX markets? Oh, yes and no. It was big in the sense that it was the one we had all been waiting for, especially in the light of some question marks around the Fed in particular following the banking sector issues. On the other hand, as we heard, everyone, I think, more or less stuck to the script. Powell suggesting to me that the issues probably were worth a hike, so perhaps they might have, without the banking sector, done 50 basis points. But anyway, that was what everyone was expecting a couple of weeks ago. So everything evolved quite smoothly, I think, with um, with outside events. And the real shock would, of course, be nothing at all. So as a result, the FX moves off the back of uh, what went on were vaguely interesting, but a bit muted. And we have not yet seen what I would call a breakout in any currency pair. And uh, what do you think? Are there now any obvious opportunities uh, now following the uh, central bank meetings this week? Yeah, there's always opportunities. Here we stick uh, to the same view, which is that a core short dollar position is the logical place to be. That is to say, core long euro dollar or long sterling against dollar. I would also prefer to be long Aussie dollars, Canadian dollars, Norwegian krona against the dollar, but here this might require a little more patience. However, it is clearly not one-way traffic, and a range-bound market seems likely for the next couple of months. I would therefore prefer to trade around a short dollar position, taking profits, reloading further down again. But I wouldn't even go long dollars, even if we saw something like, say, 110 in euro dollar, which was more or less the previous top. Volatility is not bad, so monetizing such short dollar positions via something that either generates yield, 
like a reverse convertible maybe, or generate activity on a cash position like accumulator or TARF would certainly make sense as long as such things do not push you onto the other side of the trade, that is to say being long dollars. And uh, when we move away from the currencies, but I'll go over to gold, uh, Roman mentioned before that it has been flirting with the 2000 level again. So some strong activity there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Monday saw the first break of the major $2,000 per ounce level since Russia invaded the Ukraine last year. This was, of course, safe haven fear buying, a lot of it anyway. People worried about Credit Suisse on the back of the other small bank failures, smaller bank failures in the US. The previous time we were above 2000 previous to a Russia invading Ukraine was, of course, the start of COVID. And it is also worth remembering that in both of these events, interest rates were basically zero everywhere, including the US. So the question is whether, with rates now at 5% in the US, the situation is so bad that it justifies buying or holding on to the zero yielding gold at levels only $70 per ounce below the highs of COVID and the invasion. When I look at it like that, I struggled a bit to really believe in gold very much higher, although I uh, never seem to be the one that spots when gold's about to go higher. Of course, if everything really turns bad, central banks suddenly start cutting rates, for example, then we could see a very different scenario. But otherwise, I think that once again, it makes sense to take advantage of these levels. That could be by simply selling part of a profitable position, or again, looking at something more indirect, reverse convertible, decumulator, a TARF, something that either generates some yield, or at least gets part of the position moving. I would categorically never be short any precious metal, as that carries the potential for disaster, but there are still certainly opportunities to be had. And lastly, as Monday comes soon enough, uh, what are the next things to pay attention to? Or what are well, you looking at? Yeah, I mean, assuming the Credit Suisse takeover remains orderly and assuming there's no more big surprises over the weekend, sadly, it might be a little bit a case of back to sleep until the next round of central bank meetings in about six weeks' time or the next set of interesting data. For that reason, I would look at ways to play the ranges, as I said before, and make sure that while we are sleeping, your money is working. There are plenty of opportunities out there that do not necessarily require a big trend move and we don't have to wait for that in order to take some action that being said anyone concerned about things really going wrong could look at the yen as an alternative to gold as well because it is certainly not expensive and the combination of safe haven appeal plus an anticipated shift in the bank of japan's policy should mean some further outperformance from the yen even if of course there is no yield there either that's all from me for today. So thank you as always for listening. Happy Friday. And I hand things back to you, Mike, to close out the podcast. Thank you very much, Tim, for joining us. This concludes also today's show. So please tune in on, on Monday again, when our technical analysts will give their readings on, on the most important markets. Thank you. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favorite podcast player.